0: From the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio. This is In Black America.
1: This year I saw the best and the worst in people. So from a league standpoint, fans, you saw the best and the worst in people and we weren't allowing the young men to have an opportunity to discuss and, and people listen to what they were actually trying to move forward. Collins protest was about police brutality, inequalities, and it went far left, far right, and trying to balance and making sure that no one was mischaracterized through this process. That's the player, that's the owner. So we were trying to get people to the to the table to let's just listen first, listen to what he's saying, please have empathy, trying to create a, a forum where Uh, Michael and Josh and all those that were involved were able to share what their perspective was and then have the owner sit across from the table and share his or her perspective.
2: Troy Vincent, Executive Vice President of Football Operations, the National Football League. During Super Bowl 52 week in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Ryans and the NFL hosted their third annual Super Bowl Town Hall featuring NFL players and executives. Founded in 2015 by Miami Dolphins owner Stephen M. Ross, the Ross Initiative in Sports for Equity, RISE, is a nonprofit organization dedicated to harnessing the unifying power of sports to improve race relations and drive social progress. Led by an unprecedented alliance of professional sports leagues, organizations, athletes, educators, media networks, and sports professionals that are using sports to promote understanding, respect, and equality. What started out as a protest against systematic racism and police brutality has now turned into a national movement. In August 2016, Colin Kaepernick held his first national anthem protest. A lot has happened since then. At this year's town hall, the protest was front and center. What was learned? and what's next. I'm Johnny O. Jr. and welcome to another edition of In Black America on this week's program the activist athlete in black America.
3: You know Troy deserves a lot of credit for this for for really pushing in the face of a lot of uh, pushback from league owners and whatnot and Roger Goodell who isn't here also deserves a lot of credit in putting this the story together. When I talked to Anquan about this story Anquan said when he got on that call that Troy is talking about with the commissioner and, and the commissioner was saying we support you and Anquan said to him the problem is support as you say is viewed as permission and we're not looking for your permission and to the commissioner's credit what he then said to him was I never thought of it that way and he said well what does support look like to you and again by listening That's how the dialogue really started for them to move to where they came together on an $89 million social justice initiative. So to me, there's credit that goes all around. I know we talk about the players, but the commissioner and Troy and the league, I mean, they had to be involved and and feel that this was the right thing to do. Not just I know a lot of people say a PR ploy, but seriously, when you sit down and talk to them, as I have, you can see it resonates with them when the commissioner sat in on bail hearings and saw how, how bail fines were, were disproportionately applied to blacks versus white.
2: Jim Trotter, NFL reporter with ESPN. When an athlete stands for something, the sports in which they participate in sometimes turn against them. Case in point, in 1967, Muhammad Ali refused to be inducted into the Army he was immediately stripped of his heavyweight title. In 1968, at the Olympic Games in Mexico City, John Carlos and Tommy Smith shocked the world when they held a black power salute on the medal podium. They were suspended from the U.S. team and immediately sent back to the States. And we all know what happened to Colin Kaepernick when he took a knee. During Super Bowl 52 week at the Media Center in Bloomington, Minnesota, RISE held his third annual Super Bowl Town Hall, and the subject of using sports to improve race relation was a topic of conversation. Joining Jocelyn Benson, CEO of RISE, on the panel were Josh McGowan, quarterback with the New York Jets, Jim Charter, NFL reporter with ESPN, and Troy Vincent, executive vice president of football operations, the National Football League. The following is an excerpt from that discussion.
0: Thank you for being here. This is our third annual town hall here at the Super Bowl. Every year, for the past three years, we've brought folks together to have a conversation about the important ways that sports can play a role in bringing people together to advance race relations in our country. And what a year it's been for that particular issue, identifying not just ways in which athletes and the league and clubs can play an important role at this uniquely divided moment in our country's history, in bringing people together to have conversations about equality but also about emphasizing the real responsibility that this industry has to lead in this space. So our conversation today is both a look back and a look forward. A conversation about what we can do together as an industry, what you and the audience can take away, what these leaders up with us will be talking about and hopefully doing in the the months and year ahead, Uh, and a conversation about impact. How can we ensure if we are enduring risks for stepping out of our comfort zone and talking about these difficult issues and really trying to seek change, how do we recognize that both the risks incurred with that and also ensure that we're having an impact? And Josh, I wanted to start with you talking about the work of the Players Coalition. If you can kind of tell us a little bit more about it, how it formed, how you got involved, and, uh, and, and where it's come over this past year.
4: It's essentially a, a group of guys committed to uh, seeing these areas of, of of social justice and 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 the the conversation that, that was created, uh, you know, a few years ago, seeing change and seeing a movement. And uh, for me, I was drawn in through Anquan Bolden, a friend of mine, who personally, you know, asked me to come to Washington D.C. A trip that Jim Jim went with us uh, last year, two seasons ago. And then from then, I think. For me, it was a learning process, and then once I got involved there, there were some some things that pricked my heart that I wanted to be more involved with, and uh, and so continued on. And, and as the coalition formed, was you know honored to be a part of it, and and uh, and proud of the work that we're
3: doing.
0: And Jim, what were your observations uh, watching the Players' Coalition at that first trip, which I think was probably about a year and a half ago? Was it? <coughs>
3: yes, it was. It was amazing. First of all, to see the players step up and address these issues, because so often. and and I don't mean to generalize, but athletes get a little comfortable and they don't speak out on certain issues because it can create sort of, um, it can create issues internally in an organization. And so when I got invited to go to Washington DC with Anquan and Malcolm Jenkins and Josh and Andrew Hawkins and Glover Quinn, It was such a learning experience for me, because what you saw is how invested these men were in this and how much it meant to them. And when you talk to Anquan Bolden and he talks about giving a voice to the voiceless after his cousin had been murdered, basically, by a plainclothes police officer late one night coming back from a a church band gig, it was just powerful. And so to see them sit and talk with congressional members and to address criminal justice reform, how can they make a difference in their community, all these different things. Uh, I was proud of them, you know, not just as athletes, but but as men, you know, to want to address that issue.
0: One of the interesting things, I joined the the group on the second trip to D.C., and that was very clear in observations were that they have their personal stories, athletes and and players, just like all of us have personal perspectives and stories, but they they could share and amplify the voices of those who who did not have their platform uh, but had similar stories.
3: No, absolutely. And, you know, the thing, what Colin Kaepernick started when he took that knee, I think it showed players that they have a voice that's more powerful than maybe even they imagined and so to see these guys go to that next level to say, not only that we want to speak out on it, but we want to make a difference. We want to find solutions. We don't just want to highlight the problem, we want to find solutions. And to me, that's what was so, so powerful. And again, as I sit back, and I know I'm a journalist, but I'm also a black man. And so to see these men addressing this issue and trying to make a difference in their communities, the communities that they come from, I just think it's so powerful, and, and uh, I know we're supposed to be neutral and objective and all those sorts of things, but I applaud these men. I really do. You know, I can't wait to see what they do going forward because I've, I've heard a lot of good things.
0: And, Troy, what's been your observation from the league level and the league perspective also you know, with your, your own commitment to equality and, and, uh, and observations of all these players, particularly over the past couple of years?
1: It was an interesting year, as you can imagine, I would say the last 12 months, because we actually started the journey about two years ago, or a little less than that. And this year I saw the best and the worst in people. So from a league standpoint, fans, you saw the best and the worst in people. And we weren't allowing the young men to have an opportunity to discuss and and people listen to what they were actually trying to move forward. Collins' protest was about police brutality, inequalities, and it went far left, far right, and trying to balance and making sure that no one was mischaracterized through this process. That's the player, that's the owner. So we were trying to get people to the, to the table to let's just listen first, listen to what he's saying, please have empathy, trying to create a, a forum where uh, Michael and Josh and all those that were involved were able to share what their perspective was and then have the owner sit across from the table and share his or her perspective and how do we come to a solution to solve these issues that are at the top of our players, not just their minds, but this is what they're experiencing every single day. So watching that process, again, being a listener, trying to connect the dots and just making sure that we didn't get off topic. Again. Seeing the best and the worst in people, but I do believe as the process moved forward, conversations continued. I think we came to a place, and I'll just share this in all my time being associated with, with the National Football League, and I came in in '92, and I was a labor leader for 13 years. These men stood for things that I, I probably I didn't, we didn't think about, And during my era, there were great leaders in different areas, but to watch and sit and be in a ball in, a, in our boardroom and watch these men fight for our communities that I haven't seen even in my own community, community leaders, fight and not give ground. I never forget the first conversation with, it was Malcolm, Mike, it was right before training camp. And I never forget Anquan saying, Commissioner, we're not looking for your permission. And when you heard that, because we're gonna do what we need to do, we're not looking for anybody's permission. That set, that put the stake in the ground, for frankly, for myself, and for everyone else where this thing was going to head. And to watch the players communicate with the owners, and the owners listen with empathy, and they understood. And they came together, and we believe that we've, we've put something in place that, that will allow us to at least
3: make a difference in a few communities. Yes. Can, I, can I say yeah. this? You know, Troy deserves a lot of credit for this, for, for really pushing in the face of a lot of pushback from league owners and whatnot. And Roger Goodell, who isn't here, also deserves a lot of credit in putting the this, this story together. When I talked to Anquan about this story, Anquan said when he got on that call that Troy is talking about with the commissioner, and the commissioner was saying, we support you, and Anquan said to him, the problem is support, as you say, is viewed as permission, and we're not looking for your permission. And to the commissioner's credit, what he then said to him was, I never thought of it that way. And he said, well, what does support look like to you? And again, by listening, that's how the dialogue really started for them to move to where they came together on an $89 million social justice initiative. So to me, there's credit that goes all around. I know we talk about the players, but the commissioner and Troy and the league, I mean, they had to be involved and and feel that this was... The right thing to do not just I know a lot of people say a PR ploy but seriously when you sit down and talk to them as I have you can see it resonates with them when the commissioner sat in on bail hearings and saw how bail fines were were disproportionately applied to blacks versus white or when he's out in the community with community leaders going on police ride-alongs so I also I know I give a lot of credit to the players but I think the league deserves a lot of credit here too.
0: I want to talk about the working committee that was created out of a lot of those discussions with five players and five owners coming together and just to show that an ongoing commitment to this work. But first Josh, I'm interested in in you know tell us a little bit as the, as you saw the players coalition really form before the season about, about a year ago now, right? If, if maybe even longer than that, maybe a year and a half.
4: Yeah, I guess you know, in a sense without having a, a a working title, the guys that that were involved in that DC trip and then and then moving on. Yeah, it was a little over a year ago and and just kind of see it come together and and continue to become more organized and then as the working group met with the owners just to echo what Jim said, I think that was a special moment because you you know, as a player, and, and Troy's have the privilege of kind of sitting in a different seat now, but um, but as a player you always have this view of the owners in a certain light and, and in, a, in a certain way and so when kind of like Anquan responded you, you, when they say we're with you, you you kind of feel like it's just it's just permission and are they really with you and when we sat in that first meeting with them it was special for me to sit and look around the table you know at the, at the owners there and they weren't just attending the meeting they were part of it and they were engaged and you know it was impressive and I think it was encouraging to know that this thing that's you know that started with, with Cap Nealon and then And it's transitioned into uh, other guys getting involved and and such that it's it's starting to bear some fruit and it's starting to to gain ground. And so that was a special moment.
0: Yeah. And and we have now this working group that's formed that will be an ongoing collaboration of, in particular, five owners, five players who are part of the Players Coalition to to make this this partnership, this collaboration continue on. Uh, Troy, can you tell us a little bit more about the the genesis of of that and how it formed and, and really... Now, what, what's going what's to come next, And you know, in addition to the announcement that was made when it was formed about the $89 Yeah, you
1: know, let, me, let me begin by I, I've never, and I haven't talked about the, the subject publicly, and I don't think it's my, my role or my position, but I, I, I must say Josh has been a tremendous leader in this effort. One thing that was clear through this entire process, the men wanted to make sure they were addressing black male issues. So the topic with the owner, with our office, It was about addressing issues that affect the black community, and in particular, black males. And to have Caucasian men, in particular, too, Josh and Chris Long, they exemplify the brotherhood. Because it's not easy talking about racial issues and you're on the other side. You're the minority in this conversation. In some of our discussions with with ownership, the men made it very clear this was not a catch-all subject. We are not interested in catching and working out things for all people. We've been doing that. They made it very clear this was about, in particular, black boys and have Josh and Chris say, I stand alongside my teammates. I believe in what they believe in. They don't, we talk about credit, we, we all play a role, but when you're the minority in that room on in these discussions, that's true leadership. So I wanna thank Josh thank and Chris you. for that. Thank so, so the working group, obviously, as we work through the process, uh, we've identified what areas uh, we wanted to work in in, in in the social justice space. We had to have it met, make sure we had an organized process. You're not going to get all 32. You're not going to get all 1,800 or 1,900 players. So through the coalition, they identified five, five players, both active and former, owners, five owners, and what they do is set the course. Uh, we meet, we, we we have conference calls regularly, we meet in person to set the agenda. How do we process? Um, how do we identify organizations? How do we work with law enforcement? How do we work with the armed services to make sure we're both on the same page so that no one's mischaracterized and we don't get off of the actual goal itself? So the two the groups were formed so that we can have an organized process. On how we tackle the issues.
0: Meeting regularly and just evolving as an organization moving forward and identifying. It's like every the work. day.
1: <laughs> so, you know, where my job is to oversee the game of football, this is uh, throughout the year, this is where we spent myself and uh, particularly most of my staff on this issue. Um, it was that important.
0: And I want to kind of talk I'm about what comes next and moving forward. And, and Jim, one of the things that really struck me throughout this season and doing this work, and also, I mean, even just hearing our conversation today, that, that there is such an extraordinary amount of work being done, the league level, among players, some in the spotlight, some not, many not, and uh, and really deep, thoughtful work being done, lobbying and talking to members of Congress at the state and local level as well, writing op-eds, um, speaking out, telling stories, yet that that wasn't necessarily the narrative that much of America heard this season in particular, we could kind of surmise as to why that was, but I'm also curious about now moving forward, how do we and how do media folks in the room, how do we tell that story better, more accurately uh, in the months to come and in the season ahead?
3: Well, uh, first of all, I think the narrative was so different early because even among the players you had separate groups. I mean, everyone was working towards the same end goal. The question was how to get there, and guys had different ideas of how to get there. And so when The formal coalition was formed, really, uh, at last year's Super Bowl. That's where Anquan and Malcolm and some players were talking, and they came up, even trademarked the name Players Coalition at that point. Um, Then they tried to bring in others, you know, trying to bring the disparate voices in and say, let's be one. There's strength in numbers and whatnot. And so they reached out to guys like Colin and Eric Reed and others. Well, you had a segment of players who wanted Colin's situation to be addressed first, and then you had a majority of the coalition members who felt it's bigger than one player at this point. And so when one side is speaking one thing and the other one is speaking something else, just like out in society, people start taking sides, which is unfortunate. Because in my opinion, there really is no villain in this. Everyone is working towards the same goal. They just have different ideas about how to get there. So for me, initially, it was disappointing because I started hearing... Guys were being called different names, and I'm not going to throw them out there now, but but different things were being said about guys, which I thought were really unfortunate because being so close to it, I saw the work that was being put in. And I can tell you, folks, I mean, you're talking about the middle of a football season. These guys on their off day are traveling to state capitals to meet with legislators and those sorts of things. As you said, they're doing op-eds. They're talking to folks like me about this. They're going into their communities. They don't have to do that, but they choose to, and they, and and. I can't even begin to tell you all the things that they've done. Like even this week, Malcolm Jenkins, Chris Long, Tory um, Smith, Devin McCourty—they're all, you know—they're getting ready to play in the biggest game of their lives, and yet they're taking part in things like this because it's important to them. So that's the background. Going forward, everything that I'm hearing is that you're going to you're going to see tremendous things out of these folks and the work that they're putting in, and I just have so much respect for these men. Again, I can't I can't say that enough because. In some ways, you could say it would be easy for them to sit back and in a gated community and I'm fine or whatever, but they realize that it's bigger than them and they know where they come from. And again, to see Josh and Chris Long and others get involved, hopefully it inspires more people of all races, to get involved and say, we want to address this.
0: Yeah, and it's something we talk a lot about at RISE through our mission to really expand the coalition of support for these issues. And so I I want to touch on that as well from your perspective, Josh, but I'm sort of first interested in, as you're observing everything occurring this season and the the public narrative that's out there versus what you're seeing in the work that you're a part of every day, um, did you feel that there is a dissonance between what you were doing and where your heart was at? And the way that the public was perceiving it um and what was that like going through it you know we could start there
4: (laughs) yeah absolutely and I think uh because it's it's disheartening because you, you do like Jim said you you see the guys doing work um in their communities and where their hearts really at and then their perception it was two different things and uh and so but ultimately uh the the I guess the gratifying thing was to know that the good was still being done and uh and you know to Jim's point that you know whether there's guys that are in the in the part of the players' coalition and guys outside of it you know, the beautiful thing about love and empathy and, 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 and doing good things is th- those are infinite commodities, you know, and it's not like you look over there and say, oh, that group there, they got all the, they got all the, the, do- the donations covered. They're doing all, they got all the empathy covered. We don't get to do it. We get to do it too. And, and, and because of all these, the conversations that are happening, good is being done in a lot of different areas by a lot of good people and that's special. And, and, and so you're proud to be a part of that. And so when the public narrative is different, it really breaks your heart, but I think it just encourages you even more to continue to, to continue the work and and ultimately you know that maybe the story and the, and the perception is not going to be changed in, in a day or a week or even one season but and, you know over time that perception will change and, and I think a big part of that was when we partnered with the owners, you know, what we're doing with the coalition to say that, you know, we're, t- we're together on working on these issues and we want to show that, you know, to everybody that we're import- it's important to us. And, and, uh, and this is something that we want to see turn the corner, so to speak. And so uh, I think we're doing that. And I think because of that, this conversation will change.
0: And in terms of getting you know, more people involved in in the Players Coalition specifically, but sort of in the more broader coalition of support for social justice work, uh, you, Chris Long, and others, Seth DeVolve is going to be up on our next panel, have been, played a unique role as white players who have spoken out against injustice affecting your brothers in the game. Could Would you Talk a little bit about sort of what, what led you to care and to speak out and uh, and, and also similarly, you know, if you see a, a unique impact as a result of, of that or, or, you know, how, what the experience has been for you.
4: Yeah, I think for, for me it's number one. You know, it started, you know, because of my relationship with Anquan, but it, in a locker room the beauty is that we come together under one logo and it doesn't matter and we're all for the same thing. And it unifies us. And unfortunately, in society, we don't necessarily have that. And, uh, and so we get very sighted at times. And as a, as a white man in America, to, 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 to not acknowledge the, the journey that you walk every day and, the, and that it's vastly different to most people's, especially people of color, uh, I think, you know, is, is, uh, is
3: very irresponsible. Josh, can, I'm sorry to interrupt, but can you, can you relate to people the weighted vest story? I thought that was so powerful. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Golly. Uh,
4: From, oh, from, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think, yeah, (laughs) I uh, I was like going back. So for for me, I I think one of the moments, uh, and I'll I'll say this. I'm a person who who grew up in a rural community in, in East Texas, but but, but my, my, my friends, it was very diverse, and, and so I would say this, I, I felt like I understood. I would say I felt like I had a, a, a great understanding of African-American culture. I would say that, you know. And then, and then as I got older and got into the league and, and, uh, and listened to teammates, and I was sitting uh, in, a, in a Bible study in Charlotte a few years ago, and I'm going around the room listening to these men tell their stories about when they gave the talk. And I'm sitting there and they're talking about when their dad or or, or uh, an elder in their in their family gave them a talk about what it's like when you get followed around uh, a, a shopping mall. Or what it's like when you get pulled over and how you have to conduct yourself. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, I, I didn't have that talk. Like, that didn't happen in my house. And immediately, just for me, in my mind, it was like, we're all running this race and... If I don't have to have that talk with my kids, then, then they're running a race with a weighted vest on. Because my kids, I, I'm talking to them about different things that they can advance themselves, and that's a whole another conversation in, in a space of time that, that, in an African-American context, they have to spend time talking about when they could be worrying about other things to help advance themselves. And so for me, the, the picture became clear that, that we're, running, we're running two different races, and if we don't enter the conversations as white people, it's not gonna change.
0: Powerful. Or uh, grateful for your leadership and all of your leadership. I want to um, finally turn to really a specific focus on what comes next.
1: It's simple to me. It's like a like a football game uh, a football game plan on Sunday. Those who have had the opportunity to to listen to a coach during the week, man, he can expand that playbook, and you practices all over the place. And then by Thursday, the thing the, the game plans become a little. It shrinks. And then Friday, after you talk to your coordinator, you say, hey, coach, if you can take this out and let us just do this. And then Saturday night, you go, hey, coach, give us three calls. On Monday, we started with 15 calls. Give us three, these three calls, these two fronts, and let us get after it. I don't think it's about adding anymore. We've set the course. Let's keep it simple. Let's not allow distractions to distract us. The course has been set. The framework has been put in place. Let's finish the game. There's no more expanding. We got to keep encouraging. Frankly, we got to we got to encourage our keep encouraging the players to stand for what you believe in. We got to keep encouraging the owners. What you're doing and supporting your players is the right thing to do. We got to keep praying and, and encouraging, Commissioner. I know it's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. So it's not about expanding. We got a road map. We got a game plan. Less is better. We just got to execute what we've put in place.
3: I can't say any better than that,
2: Jim Trotter. NFL reporter with ESPN. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to your future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at KUT.org. Also let us know what radio station you heard us over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at KUT.org. Until we have the opportunity again for production assistant, Delia Jones, and technical producer, David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O. Henson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week.
0: CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.